The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. Nearly 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus and his followers brought a message that we are told by their enemies turned the world upside down. Yet today, Christianity is on the decline in most Western nations, and the world is turning Christianity upside down. Why? Why has the message of Christ become so marginalized and irrelevant in much of the Western world? Part of the answer is that there is an all-out assault against the Bible by individuals who simply don't want anyone telling them what to do, least of all their Creator. But there is another equally important reason. Professing Christianity is failing to articulate the great hope God has for mankind as explained in the Bible. It has failed to inspire and give reasons why people should desire to live for tomorrow and not only for today. It has corrupted and disregarded the true good news Jesus brought. And because professing Christianity is failing, so is our world failing. Look at our news. Turn into BBC, CBC, CNN, or Al Jazeera. Get out your smartphone or tablet. Pick up a newspaper. What do you see? Consider the wars, the acts of terrorism, and the political and geopolitical unrest. Consider the economic problems facing nations and individuals. Look at the deteriorating state of our relationships with nearly 50% divorce rates in some countries. And it would be much worse if people bothered to get married before they break up. It's so bad we can't even figure out what gender we are. What was that message that changed the world? And what has happened to it? You may think you know, but don't be too sure. Was it only, as most people think, a message about the death, burial, and resurrection of the man named Jesus? And if so, what did that same Jesus teach his followers for three and a half years prior to his death, burial, and resurrection? And who was Jesus anyway? Was he the effeminate, soft-spoken weakling portrayed by artists? Then how was it that he stirred strong, young, masculine men to follow him? I propose that you haven't been told, just as I wasn't told in the churches I attended growing up, but on today's program, I'll reveal the real message that turned the world upside down, straight from the pages of the Bible. I'll be right back with a surprising, most important message ever announced to mankind. You'll be surprised because it's a very different message from what most people think. Stay tuned. A warm welcome to all of you from Tomorrow's World and the Living Church of God, the sponsor of this program. I'm asking today, why haven't you heard the message that turned the world upside down? Why hasn't modern Christianity told you about the true message Jesus brought to mankind? Do you realize that that message was not about heaven, 
but about the ultimate solution to the problems we face right here on planet Earth. One of Jesus' most famous quotes is found in Matthew, the 19th chapter, and verse 24, where he said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The focus that some place on this passage is that God has it in for the rich. They're going to figuratively get theirs in the end. But there are three things about this passage that are almost universally overlooked. The first is that the reaction of Christ's disciples was not what most people think. One would think that they understood this simple truth that the priorities of the rich prevent them from entering God's kingdom. But that was not their response. Note it in verse 25. When His disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? In other words, they thought the exact opposite of the way most people today understand Jesus' statement. They thought a rich man had an advantage. Now this is understandable because God blessed many of His past servants. Abraham, the father of the faithful, we are told, had great wealth. As it says in Genesis 13, 2, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. The Bible reveals that the patriarchs Isaac and Jacob were very rich, that the man Job was extremely wealthy, and the Proverbs tell us that the diligent will prosper. It's understandable that the disciples would think that wealth was a sign of righteousness and God's blessings and wonder, who then can be saved? But there are two additional points about this passage that are overlooked. And I have to ask again, why hasn't modern Christianity focused on what followed Jesus' statement about the rich? You've no doubt heard a health and wealth gospel, or a gospel about the person of Jesus, but what about His message? In addition to the disciples' shocked response to Jesus' statement, we find that this prompted another question. Verse 27, Then Peter answered and said to Him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Now, to put it bluntly, Peter asked, what's in it for us? Why are we doing all this? Why are we giving up our families, businesses, our comfortable lifestyles to follow you? I'm sure that Peter was looking for something greater than riches in this life, but he did want to know specifically what his reward would be. And what was Jesus' response? Rather than rebuking Peter for what some would consider a selfish concern, Jesus answered his question in a way that likely you haven't heard. Oh, you may have heard the words, but has the answer been explained, and has it sunk in? Verse 28, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now what in the world does that mean? And what does it have to do with you? It's easy to read right over passages such as this and think, these are nice sounding words, but what do they mean? What did Jesus mean sitting on thrones and judging? Most assume that when we die, we'll go to heaven for eternal retirement. That's a common assumption, but is that what the Bible and Jesus actually say? Did Jesus tell Peter that his reward was to go to heaven where the greatest joy would be to stare into the face of God for all of eternity? 
sort of a celestial LSD trip? Many believe that. Others think they will get their wings and sit on clouds either playing harp music or eating dishes made from Philadelphia cream cheese. But where do these ideas come from? Not from the Bible. Why haven't you been told the true biblical message? Let's go back to that passage in Matthew, the 19th chapter, and read again Jesus' response to Peter's question, verses 28 and 29. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and inherit eternal life." Here we see that Jesus promised His twelve apostles what can only be described as positions of rulership. Each one would rule over one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Now that's another thing you've likely not been told, except on this program that all twelve tribes of Israel will be in existence when Christ returns and sets up His kingdom. The significance of this is that the Jews are only one of the twelve. Who the others are, I'll reveal shortly. But right now, you may be thinking, okay, twelve apostles are going to rule over twelve tribes of Israel, but what's that got to do with me? If Peter could ask the question, why can't I? What's in it for me? The answer is far more than you could imagine. And I'll tell you what that is, but first I want to offer you one of the most important pieces of literature you could ever read. Do you believe the true gospel? As you can see, it doesn't have a beast on the cover, and no, it won't tell you the meaning of 666, but it will reveal to you the message that Jesus Christ brought that turned the world upside down. Do you believe the true gospel gives priceless knowledge, but it will be given to you absolutely free of charge if you simply ask for it? Just call, click, or write for your free copy of Do You Believe the True Gospel to discover the message, the neglected and forgotten message of Jesus Christ, and discover what you haven't been told. Don't assume you know. You may be shocked, surprised, inspired, excited, and changed by what you learn. For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227, or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World, call now. The Jews of Jesus' day knew that He brought a message about a coming kingdom, and they expected Him to set it up at that time. 
As he neared Jerusalem, he gave a parable to dispel the idea that he would set it up then. You can read this parable in Luke, the 19th chapter. Let's begin in verse 11. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Notice that the nobleman who represents Christ would go away to receive a kingdom. This actual event is described in the book of Daniel, the seventh chapter. There we read of a coronation ceremony where the Son of Man, Jesus the Christ, is given a kingdom by His Father. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. And behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. Then to Him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And Zechariah 14 and verse 9 confirms that the Messiah, Christ, will, and I quote, be king over all the earth. So we see something remarkable about the biblical message. Jesus is to return and be king, not up in heaven, but on the earth. And at that time He will give His twelve apostles thrones to rule over twelve Israelite tribes. Now what does that mean? Most professing Christians, to say nothing of those who have never read the Bible, have no idea. They've not been told. As we have shown on previous Tomorrow's World telecasts and in our literature, these twelve tribes are not extinct. How could they be if Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and the others are going to be given thrones on which to exercise right and compassionate rule in the future? Think about it. Did Jesus lie to His apostles? Or is there part of the message that is missing? These twelve tribes are in existence today, and they make up much more of the world than the tiny country called Israel. They occupy some of the most significant real estate on the earth, and are major players on the world scene, just as predicted nearly 3,500 years ago in Genesis 49 and Deuteronomy 33. This is what the apostles were promised. The United States, the British Isles, and their descendants in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and South Africa. Other Israelite tribes exist in Belgium, France, the Netherlands, the Scandinavian countries, Switzerland, and Iceland. And we must not forget the tribe of Judah in the country today called Israel. Let's notice God's awesome promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants, the tribes of Israel. We read this in Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Further, we can read in several passages of Scripture 
that ancient King David will be resurrected to a position higher than the apostles and will actually rule over the entirety of Israel. Ezekiel 34 verses 23 and 24 tell us, I will establish one shepherd over them, that is the twelve tribes, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The Bible is explicit about this. Jesus will be ruler over the whole earth. David will rule over that portion we know of as Israel, and the twelve apostles will rule under Christ and David over each of the twelve tribes of Israel. So how do you fit into all this? Earlier I started reading the parable of the nobleman who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. The nobleman is Jesus the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. He gave each of His servants, meaning true Christians, a unit of money, symbolic of His Spirit, and He instructed them to do business until He returned. And here's what the parable tells us happens upon His return. Here's a glimpse into the future being offered to you. Here in a nutshell is part of the message that turned the world upside down. Luke the 19th chapter, beginning in verse 16. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise he said to him, You also be over five cities. This can be your future. This is the message Jesus came to reveal, the message He preached for three and a half years. He would return to be king over all the earth. David would be king over Israel. The apostles would sit on twelve thrones, ruling each of the twelve tribes of Israel. And you and I are being offered the opportunity to govern cities. The gospel, which simply means good news, certainly includes the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that cannot be minimized. Yes, that's important, but Jesus preached a message of hope for three and a half years prior to the end of His physical life, and that was a message about who is ultimately going to rule this world, and you can have a part in it. Consider what that means. Our current world is one of war, terror, and brutality. It's a world ruled in too many cases by corrupt officials who steal from their own people. It's a world of betrayal and infidelity. Children today grow up in poverty where they are hungry and living in filth. You are being offered by your very Creator the opportunity to change all this picture. Now compare our world with that described in Isaiah the 35th chapter. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. 
For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now that may sound too good to be true, but that's only a small portion of how the Bible describes a new world to come. But it won't happen because of a United Nations mandate. It won't happen because men sit down at the negotiating table and lay down their nation's weapons. It will happen because the one, and the only one with the power to make it happen, will do so. And he will use his servants to help bring it about. The coming rule of Jesus Christ is man's only hope for peace and prosperity. This is the message Christ brought to the world. So why isn't this taught in most churches? There's an answer, and I'll give it to you, but first I want to remind you of today's priceless offer that can be yours absolutely free of charge. Do you believe the true gospel won't tell you about seven-headed beasts? But if you read and understand it, it will set you apart with knowledge of the most important announcement of the last 2,000 years. You have nothing to lose but everything to gain by discovering the message that turned the world upside down. Order your free copy of Do You Believe the True Gospel? For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World, call now. The message of this kingdom of God is all through the writings of the New Testament, but especially in the four Gospels as they are called. After performing some astounding miracles in the city of Capernaum, Jesus declared to those who didn't want Him to leave, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. We are told in Luke the 8th chapter in verse 1, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. When a man professed he would follow Jesus, but first he had to spend time with family and friends, Jesus told him bluntly in Luke 9.62, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of, in this case, refers to possession. It is God's kingdom, and since God lives in heaven, it is heaven's kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. With all these clear statements, 
and believe me, there are many, many more, why haven't you been told about this message? There is an answer, and it comes straight from the Bible. The Apostle Paul had been traveling in Macedonia and Greece, and was rushing to get back to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Pentecost. Rather than stopping off at Ephesus, he chose to meet the elders from that region at a more convenient location. And his words to them were sobering. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul knew that the message of Christ would be corrupted as outsiders infiltrated the church. He also knew that some within the church would corrupt the gospel so that they could merchandise off the people of God. In his second recorded letter to the church of God at Corinth, he chided the people for being so broad-minded as to accept a different Jesus and a different gospel. 2 Corinthians the 11th chapter and verse 4. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Later in the chapter he explained why a different Jesus was being preached, and why a counterfeit gospel was being promoted. Verses 13 to 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Jesus predicted that many would be deceived by ministers claiming that Jesus was the Christ. They would use Christ's name, but in the process would deceive many. Matthew the seventh chapter, verses 21 and the following verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." The New Testament is full of warnings about a counterfeit Christianity that would corrupt Jesus' message. That message is an exciting prophetic message about tomorrow's world, and the part that you can have in it. The question is asked sometimes, what would you do to change the world? That's the opportunity that Christ holds out to you. And it all begins by discovering that amazing truth that turned the world upside down. You can't just sit in an easy chair and do nothing. You need this knowledge, and you need to act upon it. So be sure to order your free copy of Do You Believe the True Gospel? Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't squander your opportunity to help a hurting world. Be sure to come back again next week at the same time and station 
when Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I will bring you more good news about tomorrow's world and the part that you can have in it. See you next time. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.